and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness. everyone, welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship and Wednesday night refreshing, where times of refreshing come from God's presence. And if you're watching online, we say welcome to you as well. Just join us as do what we do here. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we can gather here tonight in your presence to hear your word and to receive the move of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we glorify you in all things and give you the high praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Stand together. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. You watch your word to bring it to pass. Your word is
touch the name of Jesus. And we are so grateful for your presence here tonight. And Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory and honor and praise, Lord. Thank you for being here. And thank you for speaking to us. There is a path that is right. But there is a path that will lead you into the night. Remember, I am the light and I will illuminate your path. I will make your feet firm so you stay on the straight and narrow path. My path leads to life. My path is right, says the Lord. Stay on my path. Hallelujah. Amen. Say, I'm staying on the path. Hallelujah. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Glory to God. It's a good Wednesday night. And you're in a good place tonight. Are your hearts open? Ready to yield at a moment's notice. And go with the flow. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Want to let you know a few things. On December 21st, which is a Wednesday, we're going to have our candlelight Christmas service here then. Uh, We will not have any service on December 25th which is a Sunday, but we will have service on January 1st, which is a Sunday. We're going to kick off 2023 by giving our first fruits of time to God. Amen? And if you stay up late and wake up late, just come in your pajamas. You know? Seriously, we're just going to have a good time in the Lord on the 1st. So, uh, yeah, join us for our candlelight service Wednesday the 21st. And uh, God is good. Amen. And uh, we just, we, we want families to have maximum time together. That's why we're not having a service on the 25th. So hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. You know, if you're here and if you're watching, you can invest in the kingdom of God. And uh, God appreciates your giving because he gives great returns on giving. Amen. He doesn't look at amounts, but he looks at percentages. You know, he, he, he said about a woman who gave two mites, that was all she had. And can you imagine giving all that you have? And Jesus took notice of that gift. And he said, for wherever this word goes, we're going to talk about that woman. And we're still talking about her thousands of years later. Amen. You know, when Jesus recognizes your gift, you're going to get a good reward for it. So giving is something that uh, is fun to do. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And uh, he'll give you a good return. Praise God. Father, I speak the word of blessing 
over every givers and their gifts, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, that you multiply their seed sown and you enrich them in all ways. And Lord, you cause them, you cause your grace to abound to them, that they have all sufficiency in all things and that they can abound to every good work in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids, are you ready? Teachers, are you ready? We're going to dismiss you for your class tonight. So kids, have a great class. Be blessed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to do two things tonight. The Lord's been telling me to keep it simple. Hallelujah. So the two things that we're going to do tonight is we're going to look to heaven and we're going to glorify God. Amen. Amen. And you're going to hear about what happens when you look to heaven and what happens when we glorify God. Are those two things that can you do those two things? You can look to heaven and you can glorify God. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to give his life as a sacrifice. And to endure much pain for us. And he takes a moment and he initiates a prayer. And he begins to pray for his disciples and for us. And we're going to look at these things in John chapter 17, starting with verse 1. It says, these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Glory to God. So when Jesus began to pray, you know, Jesus knew where his source of power came from. Jesus knew where the author of all good things was. He looked to heaven. You know, when we pray, we have to be focused on heaven. Amen? Because heaven is the source of all good things. Right? Heaven is God's storehouse. And you have been given access into God's storehouse. Hallelujah. You've got an account in God's storehouse. Glory to God. And you can access that account anytime that you need to. Amen. Hallelujah. So he looks to heaven. He puts himself in a position of prayer. So what happens when you look to heaven? Amen. Here's what here's some things that are happen that happen when you look to heaven. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And verse 12, hallelujah, beware these may cause excitement. These may cause shouting. Amen? Hallelujah. 
In Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says this. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Say, my eyes are upon you. Now, if you've ever came across a situation where you didn't know what to do and the odds were against you, there is somewhere that you can look that has answers. There is somewhere that you can look that will show you a way out. There is somewhere that you can look that will give you the victory. They didn't know what to do. They were feeling overwhelmed, but they said, our eyes are on you. Hallelujah. When you look to heaven, you recognize God's ability above your own. When you've reached your limit, God's just beginning. Hallelujah. When you've reached the point where you can't handle anymore, God says, I've got big hands. Turn it over to me. When you look to heaven, you recognize his ability above your ability. It may be too much for you, but it's not too much for God. And that, why, what happens when you look? Because you take your focus off the problem and you put it on the answer. You know, good things happen when you stop considering the problem and you start considering the answer. That's when things begin to shift. That's when the supernatural begins to stir. And that's when the Holy Ghost begins to flow and move. Hallelujah. All right, go to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5. If Jesus looked to heaven, then we can look to heaven. But we should know why we're looking to heaven. We're not just looking up, but we're focusing. We're opening ourselves up. We're getting ourselves in a position for God to move on our behalf. So Psalm chapter 5 and verse 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, let's just go to verse 1. Psalm 5, verse 1. Give ear to my words. What's God doing when he gives ear to your words? You're praying and he's listening. Say, God hears my prayer. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto you will I pray. My voice shall you hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto you and will look up. Everybody say, look up. Hallelujah. So when you look to heaven, you're expecting him to move and manifest. Glory to God. You're entering his presence and you're putting your focus on him and not your problem. Look at verses 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. God's got multitudes of mercy. Could you use some mercy? He's got multitudes. You know, he makes mercy fresh every day. New mercies every morning. When you woke up today, there was a new batch of mercy waiting for you when you needed it, if you needed it. Then he says, verse 8, or he says, and uh, in your fear will I worship toward your holy temple. 
Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Hallelujah. All right, go to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. What happens when we look up? Look at verse 1. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. You know, most of the problems that come in life come in your soul. Did you know that you, you can give your soul a pep talk? Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. You know, sometimes we need to give our soul a pep talk. But he said, unto you, Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. All right, then look at verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Not looking at the problem, not looking at the feelings, not listening to the opinions. But my eyes are forever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. So when you look to the Lord, you turn to him, you trust in him, and you know that he's your deliverer. You've got to know with confidence that he's your deliverer. Amen? That's what happens when you look to the Lord. You know that he is your deliverer, that he is able, that he can provide. Say, I have a Jehovah Jireh. Say, I have an El Shaddai. You have a provider that's more than enough. That's too much. Amen? Hallelujah. These are things that happen when we look to the Lord. Go to Psalm 34. Boy, these psalmists knew where to look. Amen? How many know if you want to find a treasure, you got to know where to look? Amen? If you want to solve a puzzle, you got to know where to look. Amen? If you want answers, you got to know where to look. Hallelujah. Psalm 34 and verse 5. Psalm 34 and verse 5. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Hallelujah. When you look to your Lord, it changes your countenance, it increases joy, and it stops shame. Hallelujah. When you look to God, it changes your countenance. When, when Cain killed his brother, the, God came to him and says, why is your countenance so low? His countenance was evil. He let an evil spirit take over, and it was seen on his countenance. <clears throat> but when you look to the Lord, it changes your countenance, it gives you joy, and it eliminates shame. Hallelujah. You know, Paul was able to confidently look at the Lord. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He, he lived a shameful life. He did shameful things. But when he looked to God, the shame was taken away. Hallelujah. You will not be ashamed when you do what God wants you to do. There is no shame in serving God, in following God, in, in receiving from God. But you got to look to him. If you want someone, someone's attention, you say, look here or listen here, right? You get their attention. All right? Go to Psalm 121. 
Psalm 121. What happens when you look to the Lord? Psalm 121 and verse 1. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord which made heavens and earth. When you lift up your eyes, you know where your help comes from and you know whom your help is. My help comes from God. Hallelujah. And my help comes from the Lord. Do you know him? Are you confident that whatever you put in his hands, he's able to take care of? He's able to work out? He said, if you acknowledge me in all my ways, I will direct your paths. If you're, if you're having a hard time finding directions, maybe you need to do some more acknowledging. Amen? So when you look to him, glory to God, whoo, you got to know where to look and whom to look, and you got to expect that he'll help you. Hallelujah. You know, when God sees you look at him, he knows you're trusting in him. All eyes are on him. Amen? All right? Go to Psalm 123. There's just four verses here. We're going to read them all. When you look to God, you find favor. You know, favor is worth a thousand hours of labor. What would take you all day would take favor a moment. We need God's favor. You know, favor will go before you. The Bible said that both Jesus and John the Baptist increased in favor with God and man. Hallelujah. How many want to increase their favor? Tonight's flavor is favor. We got the favor flavor. Psalm 123. Unto you I lift up my eyes. Are you seeing the pattern here? All these are lifting up their eyes and they're receiving something when they do. Oh, you that delivers, that dwells in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord, our God, until he has mercy upon us. I'm not leaving this spot. I'm not moving until I get your mercy, hallelujah, until I get what I need, glory to God. Verse 3, have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. Mercy is also favor. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Verse 4, our soul is exceedingly filled with the scoring of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Say, my eyes are on him. And he gives me favor. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Favor opens doors. Favor has a master key that can unlock any lock. Favor can do for you what no man can do for you. Hallelujah. Favor, favor, favor. Go to Psalm 141. Psalm 141. Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. When we look to God, Psalm 141 verse 8 141 verse 8, but my eyes are unto you, O God of the Lord, in, the, in you is my trust, leave not my soul destitute, keep me from the snares which ha they have laid for me, 
and the gins or the lures of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while that I escape. Hallelujah. So when you look to the Lord, you seek his refuge, protection, and prevention of being trapped. Oh, hallelujah. The enemy works so hard, and he sets these traps in your path. But you're looking to the Lord, and you just avoid them. He goes, he didn't hit any one of my traps. The enemy goes to check, and he doesn't find you there. Why? Because you're looking to the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what? Because you look to the Lord, you can fly through storms. A, a believer who knows how to look to the Lord is instrument rated. You can fly through storms. You can go through trouble. Hallelujah. You can mow down giants like they're weeds with a weed eater. Hallelujah. When you look to the Lord, you don't need to look anywhere else. Everything you need is in him. But we got to look to him. Psalm 143. Psalm 143. Verse 7, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee unto you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. When you look to the Lord, you expect his answer. You experience his love. You, he reveals the way you should go. He rescues you from enemies. You find protection, and you learn to do his will. If you don't know what to do, you can look to him and he'll show you what his will is. You know, God wants you to know his will. His will, he has laid it out for you. It is yours for the taking. People who are going to live forever are those who are going to do the will of God. Jesus said, one time they said to Jesus, your relatives, your mother and your brothers are outside. He said, who is my mother? Who's my brother? But them that do the will of the father. You know, doing God's will is important. We're going to be judged at the end of our life whether or not we did God's will. So you better, know, you better find out what his will is now. Since you're here and you're breathing, amen, you have no excuse not to know what God's will is. He even said in Colossians Chapter 1, he prays, we can pray to know what God's will is. He said, pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. God wrote his will in a book. He put your name in his will. You are a recipient and an heir of his will. Hallelujah. Amen? Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Jesus looked to heaven. This is what happens when we look to heaven. You know, this wasn't the only time that Jesus looked to heaven. Before he fed the 5,000, he looked to heaven. He gave thanks and he looked to heaven. Why? He was believing God for provision, for multiplication. Amen? 
He knew where his answers lie. At Psalm, or Isaiah chapter 40 and uh, verse 26. Isaiah 40, 26. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who has created these things. That brings out their host by number. He calls them all by names by the greatness of his might for he that for that he is strong in power not one fails when you look to the lord you're focusing on his creativity and his greatness how many want to be great how many want to do great things then you got to look to someone who's great amen he left us a pattern he wants us to do great exploits in the earth He said, the things that I do, you shall do, but greater things shall you do because I'm going to my father. Jesus retired early, but we're still here. We can, what does that greater mean? What greater things can we do? Do you realize when Jesus walked this earth, he was in a very, uh, he didn't travel to many countries. He was in one location, one country pretty much. But now we can touch the world. Amen? Jesus never went to India while he was on the earth. He never went to China. But now we can get there. Amen? We can do, we can do things greater in scope. We can do things greater in number. When Jesus left this earth, he had uh, probably less than a thousand people following him. But then it exploded when he went to heaven. Amen? On one day in one service, 3,000 people got born again. Now, he had multitudes following him. Yeah, but at, you know, at the end when uh, he, he said, gather in Jerusalem for the promise of my father. We can do things in greater numbers. Amen. Hallelujah. See, I can do greater things. Because Jesus said so. And just look to him and he'll show you how to do it. See, this is the beauty of it. When you don't know how to do something, you can look to him and he'll show you how to do it. Looking to him is so important. Where your eyes go, you follow. Go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. John, chapter 11, and verse 41. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. If you want to change a dead thing to a living thing, you got to look to someone who has, it was life. Do you realize when they came to the tomb after Jesus rose from the dead, the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? The living doesn't hang among the dead because if the living's there, it's no longer dead. Right? Jesus is the life of the party. If things aren't happening in your life, if the party's kind of dead, when Jesus walks in, life's going to come to that party. Joy's going to come to that party. Amen? So here Jesus was looking to the life giver. So that he could raise someone from the dead. 
Lord, Father, I thank you that you hear me. What a relationship. What a connection. Amen? He's not looking at the tomb. He's not looking at the deadness. He's looking to his father. And after looking to his father, he boldly declares, Lazarus, come forth. And that man, Lazarus, hopped out of the grave. Hallelujah. He'd been dead for four days. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how long. But he looked to, he looked to his father. Glory to God. And then go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. A lot of good things happen when you look to the Lord. You know, a simple action produces great results. You may not think there's a lot of faith in looking to the Lord, but there is. It's not just a glance. You know, let me just say this. There was a time in the wilderness, in the history of Israel, when they disobeyed God and they didn't do what he said to do and they complained, murmured, and grumbled. When you're complaining, murmuring, and grumbling, you're not looking to God. You're looking at the problem. You're looking at the enemy. And as a result, fiery serpents came into the camp, right? And the people were dying. They were being bitten by these poisonous snakes, and people were dying. And so what did Moses do? Moses looked to God for the answer. And God showed him what to do. I want you to make a bronze pole and put a serpent of bronze on that pole. And I want you to lift that pole up. And he said, when every, whoever beholds the serpent that is lifted up. Now, that's not a glance. That's not like a, a look and look away. That is a stare. That is a gaze. You are looking to that thing. And everyone who looked to the serpent that was lifted up was healed of their snake bite. Was healed of the, the venom couldn't touch them. And it was a symbol of Jesus being lifted up on the cross. He said, if all men come to me, he said, if I be lifted up, all, I will draw all men to me. That lifting up of the pole was directly a picture of Jesus being lifted up on the cross. And all who look to him are saved from the negative effects of sin. Amen. So Acts chapter 7, verse 55. This was Stephen. Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, full of the Word. And he was doing miracles and people couldn't argue. You know what? When you get so full of the Holy Ghost, people can't argue against you. They couldn't argue against Stephen and they were frustrated. When they couldn't argue with him, they started to stone him. (laughs) Okay, but here is Stephen. Notice he's in the midst of being stoned. Rocks the size of your fist are being thrown at his head from an elevated position with velocity. Okay, that's what they did. When they stoned a person, they would put the person being stoned at a little bit lower. Everyone with the stones would be a little bit higher so they'd have an advantage and they would be chucking rocks until you die. This is what's happening in the midst of of having stones thrown at him. This is what he says. But he, verse 55, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfast into heaven. He's not 
even concerned about the, the stones hitting his body. He's not even fearful of death. He is having a good time with Jesus. He looked up steadfast into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing. Everybody say standing. Jesus normally sits at the right hand. What was he doing? He was giving Stephen a standing ovation. You know, when you stand up for God, Jesus will stand up for you. Stephen wouldn't back down. He wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't shut up. Come on. The enemy would love for you to shut up. The enemy would love for you to be silent. When they say it's time for a silent prayer, the devil says, amen. You didn't hear that, did you? We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't have silent prayer. We should have verbal prayer. Stephen looked to heaven. He saw Jesus. He saw the glory and he saw Jesus standing Jesus was going, yes, Stephen, you go. Come on, boy. That's my boy. He was cheering him on. When you look to heaven, you will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. And he forgave the people that were throwing the stones at him. Then he gave up the ghost. He said pretty much the same thing what Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. But he was in the midst of his trial. He's not even feeling the stones anymore. He's looking and seeing the glory of God. Hallelujah. He's seeing Jesus cheer him on. Woo! Glory to God. Someone say praise the Lord. All right. Then when Jesus began his prayer and he looked to heaven, he said, Father, glorify me with the glory which I had before. Hallelujah. And uh, he was saying, give me what I need to face death. To glorify It means to ascribe weight by recognizing real substance or value. It means to value him for who he really is. That's what it means to glorify. It means giving or ascribing glory to God. It's a personal acknowledgement that God is true. Amen. That's what it means to glorify God. And so it means to extol or magnify. It means to celebrate, to honor. It means to adorn with luster. That means something real shiny. Hallelujah. And uh, so the power of God should inspire the praise of his people. When we see God's power, we ought to be praising him. Amen? So God said, Jesus said, glorify me. Amen? So when God is glorified, people see the miracles that he does. Go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. See, when you look to the Lord, 
then you can glorify God. Hallelujah. Say, I'm looking to the Lord, and I'm glorifying God. Matthew 15, verse 31. Notice what happens. Well, I'll read verse 30, but uh, it says, Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And what did he do? He healed them. Hallelujah. Say, he healed them. Say, if he healed them, he heals me. Okay, verse 31. Insomuch that the multitudes wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, they glorified the God of Israel. When God, when God does something good, he needs to be glorified. He needs to be exalted. He needs to be praised. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you look to heaven, you glorify God. Amen? God is glorified when they see the glory, the majesty, and the power of God. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Notice what happens. Glory to God. You know, when we say glory to God, we're glorifying God. And we're celebrating the good that he does. Luke uh, chapter 2. And uh, let's go down to uh, verse 20. The angels had just talked to the shepherds. They told him that there was a baby that was going to be born who is Savior of the world. He's going to bring peace. And there was great joy. And they got to see an angelic concert. Right? And they went and investigated this baby. Right? Because they had to see it. And then verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Everybody say heard and seen. The Holy Ghost is a demonstrator. When we hear the word, he will show you that the word is real. He performs the word that you hear. He makes it a reality on the inside of you. Seen and heard. God is into seeing and he's into hearing. Amen? He does things so that we can see and hear. God is not afraid to show himself. You know, when Elijah, he took on the prophets of Baal, he made a spectacle out of idol worshipers. You know, uh, He told them, he said, do your sacrifice. Do what you got to do. And let's see who the real God is. I'm paraphrasing. Okay? It was a showdown of faith. And Elijah was the sheriff. And he had a six-gun faith shooter. And he was quick on the draw. And these guys, they did all this stuff, right? And if you read the living uh, Bible, (laughs) 
Elijah was mocking the prophets of Baal. They were doing all this stuff and not getting any answer because idols can't speak. Idols can't do. Right? And uh, the Living Bible tells that Elijah said, is your God on the toilet? He said, how come nothing's happening? Is your God on the toilet? That's what it says in the Living Bible. But so Elijah set up the altar. He doused it with water three times. And he called down fire. He, he did it in front of everybody. Because God wants to make himself known. He wants people to look to him. Amen. So he, he does things in big ways to show that he is God. Because our God is not small. He's big. Amen. So when God does something good, go to go to Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven. Let's see another instance where they glorified God. And verse eleven, Luke seven eleven. Not to be confused with the seven eleven down the street. And it came to pass. The day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Say many disciples and much people. Now when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. He was the only son of his mother and she was a widow. So you can imagine this widow burying her only child. This is the funeral procession. They are taking the body to wherever they're going to put it. And much people of the city was with her. She must have been a pretty popular widow. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. You know, God's compassion will move into action. Okay? And he said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the bier, or the, the thing that they were carrying the dead body on, that bare him and stood still. So he touched the instrument of death. Not the person, but the instrument of death. Okay? He touched the thing that he was being carried on. Mm. And everybody carrying him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto you, arise. Whoo! And he that was dead sat up. That would be the greatest funeral ever. And began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. Verse 16, and there came a fear on all, and they glorified God. I bet you would glorify God. There's not going to be an atheist in that bunch. They just see a dead man sit up and talk. 
and they glorified God. That that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God has visited, visited his people. When God pays you a visit, you give him some glory. You glorify him. When God does anything, you glorify God. When the devil does something, don't even pay attention to it. But when God does something, you give him the glory and the honor and the praise that he's due. You get excited about what God does. He has visited his people. Hallelujah. When we look to him, we glorify God. God is glorified when people get healed who have suffered. God is not glorified in the suffering. He's glorified in the turnaround. Amen? So if you're suffering, look to Jesus. He'll tell you what to do, and then we can glorify him. Amen? People, when people were healed, other people glorified God. And the people that got healed, too. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go to, go to Luke 23. Luke 23. And verse 47. It says this. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. God is glorified when one sees and recognizes his righteousness. When you see and recognize righteousness, glorify God. Because righteousness can't come from anywhere else other than God. Amen? But he glorified God. He said, this is the Son of God. This was at the cross. And he saw the earthquake. He saw the darkness. He saw this man who was innocent give his life. And he got a glimpse of righteousness. And in that moment, he glorified God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go to John 15. John 15. I got a whole list, but I won't get to them all. I'm just giving you some things. Amen. John 15, 8. How is God glorified? Verse 8. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. God is glorified when you have a fruitful, productive, spiritual life. Amen. God is not glorified when his saints do nothing. He is glorified when they do something. Amen? Say, I'm a fruit producer. I have the incorruptible seed inside of me. And wherever I go, I'm fruitful. Isn't that part of the blessing? Be fruitful. That was the first thing that man heard when he was created. Be fruitful. Look at your neighbor and say, you got some fruit on you. God is glorified when we produce what kind of fruit? Much fruit. Everybody say much. Oh, that's too much. No, not with God, it's not. Stop complaining. You know what? We need to get delivered from our limits. 
Do you realize we put our own limits on ourselves? There was a story in the Bible of a prophet who told the king, take the arrow and strike the ground. So he struck it three times. The prophet got mad. He said, why'd you stop at three? He said, if you'd have kept going, I'd have destroyed your enemies completely. But now you're going to have to deal with them for the rest of your life. Because he stopped. He quit. Listen, when the prophet says strike the ground, you strike it until he says stop. Amen? Don't quit. Don't give up in the middle. The Syrophoenician woman had plenty of opportunities to quit, but she didn't. She went from zero faith to great faith. Because she refused to quit. We got too many saints that quit. It's too hard. <laughs> Y'all know what that means, right? I'm just laying hands on them suddenly. <laughs> John 16. John 16. Verse 14. Mm. Well, we us look at verse 13, too. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Say, I'm being guided into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. If the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, how much more should we glorify him? Amen? For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. How are you going to glorify God? Receive what he's been giving you. Receive what he's offered you. Take it. It's yours. Salvation, yours. Healing, yours. Provision, yours. Help, yours. Peace, yours. Strength, yours. Now take it. Don't talk about it. Take it. Say, I own it. Take possession of it. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. God is glorified when you receive what he promised. No more excuses of why you can't receive. You can receive. It's a matter of mindset. You've got to see yourself as a receiver. Anything that God says, I'm like a magnet. Anything that God says, I'm taking it to me. Anything that God wants, I want. Anything that God says is mine, it's mine. Amen? That's the attitude that we've got to have. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Can you take some more? You're not stuffed yet? Amen. I like it. You're expanding. You can eat as much word as you want. It has no side effects. Hallelujah. Won't even have to loosen your belt. Glory to God. Acts 13. And verse 46, notice what this says. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold 
and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you, notice say you put it from you. Okay, the word was spoken to them, but they didn't receive it. And judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Have you ever felt unworthy to receive what God said you could have? Get that out of your mind and out of your heart. If he wouldn't have offered it to you, (laughs) the very fact that he offered it to you signifies you are worthy to have it. Okay? All right. You are unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you, set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Everybody say glad. Your attitude in receiving the word makes all the difference of how it affects you. They were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Say, I'm a believer. Say, whatever God says, I accept. See, when you know the character of who's talking to you, and God's talking to you, amen, you can accept it. It's the word of life. It is the absolute truth. Amen? And so they glor- God is glorified when people receive and honor his word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. Let's go to Romans 5. We'll look at two more. Romans 5, and uh, we'll go to verse 5. I'm sorry, Romans 15, Romans 15, 5. Apologize for that. Romans 15, 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. And really, that's what John... That's what Jesus prayed in John. He prayed that we would be one with the Father and one with him and one with each other. Amen? That you may be one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Guess what? We're gathered here tonight as Gentiles. Amen. We're adopted Jews. We've been engrafted in and we're glorifying God here tonight. We're fulfilling this scripture. Amen. Glorify God for his mercy as it is written for this cause I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing unto your name. All right. So we're supposed to glorify God and God is glorified in unity. He's not glorified in division or schisms. Okay. All right. One more place. Um, First Corinthians six. 
1 Corinthians 6, 12. Hallelujah. So when we look to heaven, we glorify God. You know, when you look to heaven, what are you seeing? You're seeing ultimate victory. You're seeing a champion who conquered death, hell, and the grave. You're seeing everything that you need, want, and desire right there. Amen? So 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Just because you can do something or, ha- or you should have something doesn't mean it's good for you. Okay? All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Don't let anything draw you under its power. You should only be under the power of the Lord. Okay? Verse 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both of them. Uh, Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. Say, my body is for the Lord. Okay? And the Lord for the body. Verse 14, God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? What? Don't you know that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, says he, shall be one flesh. And he's talking about fornication or adultery. Verse 17, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Say, I'm one spirit. You are complete when you are with the Lord, not with anybody else. Okay? Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? He says this again. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Come on. Let's hear a big amen. Amen. And in your spirit, which are God. I thought my body, I could do with what I want. Not if your Holy Ghost lives in there. If the Holy Ghost has taken residence in your body, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. Woo, going to eat healthy. Going to exercise. Going to do things that your body won't want to do because you got to keep your house in good working order. Say, I'm keeping my house in good working order. Because the Holy Ghost lives there. He likes a clean house. He doesn't want to live in a toxic garbage dump. Do you realize that your body gets you from point A to point B? Without your body, you can't do the will of God because without the body, you're going to be in heaven. If you leave your body, you're somewhere else. You can't do anything else on earth when you leave your body. Some people leave their body too young because they don't take care of it. 
And thank God I'm getting better at it. Amen? But we got to glorify God in our bodies. Everybody hold up your hands. Say, these are holy hands. These are instruments of righteousness. My mouth is an instrument of righteousness. My eyes are instruments of righteousness. My feet are instruments of righteousness. My whole body is an instrument of righteousness. It will not be used for wickedness. It will not be used for evil. But I will use it to serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's look to God and let's glorify him. Amen. Stand to your feet. I want you to look to God. You have a need in your life? I want you to look to him. Amen. You need an answer? I want you to look to him. You need direction? I want you to look to him. You shouldn't be looking around. You should be looking to him. Amen. Look to him because good things happen when we look to him. And then glorify him for the answers that he gives for the way that he leads, for how he works things out for your good in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Begin to praise him for who he is. Begin him to show, show the value of who he really is and what he's really done, what he really means to you. Begin to declare his worth. Declare how much you love him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.